Welcome to Cleveland's newest and Cleveland's best sports podcast. This is Two Guys in a Mic with your hosts Ron Pierce and Sean Davis. Let's go. We're going to get some homage right now. Uh, first of all, welcome to Two Guys in the Mic. We're going to get some homage right now, bro. This dude behind me has uh, superseded anything I could have expected. This dude behind me has a vision, has a thought process, and He ain't letting nothing get in his way. Nothing. He has been spot on with a bunch of things. Man, he, at the moment that everybody was talking crazy, at the moment that everybody was jumping off the Browns bandwagon, this dude only went and did what nobody thought could possibly be done. Man, I so, man. So so okay. Let me let me back up. Hey, welcome to two guys in a mic. I am one of your hosts, RP, Mr. Ron Pierce. Uh, Big Sean is not uh, capable of being with us today. He had to work. That's fine. Um, I want to uh, let you guys know that, of course, we haven't been able to do a show here in the, in the recent past, but it's mostly been because of, of personal things. You know, we both uh, have jobs and we both have things that we gotta, we gotta make sure happen. Uh, and we both had, you know, personal things that we've had to deal with, uh, personal family issues that we've had to um, endure. And, and it's been a lot, but uh, we're both individually doing okay. We're both still here. And we haven't forgotten about the show. Having said that, one of our biggest topics on this show has always been and will probably always be the Cleveland Browns. I don't know if you guys have been near TV or around the TV or uh, near any Thing that gets any reception that has anything to do with sports. My Cleveland Browns have been the talk of sports, short of the tournament, uh, the NCAA tournament that's going on right now. My Cleveland Browns have been the talk of sports. It's been good. It's been bad. That's usually what the Browns always bring. But man, ain't nobody can say nothing about my Browns today. Nothing. If I didn't know this before, I know it now. This team is trying to win a championship. It's almost like Super Bowl or bust for this team. And I can't be mad at it. And I won't be mad at it at all. We're going to get into all of that here in a second. But this dude behind me, uh, Andrew Barry uh, the third. I'm making that up. I don't know that he's the third, but sounds great. Andrew Barry the third. 
if we win a Super Bowl or we even get close to one, he should be the executive of the year. He should be. We're going to jump right into it. We, we, we did all of the, you know, citations and whatnot. Welcome to the show. Love y'all. It's good to see y'all. It's good to get this off. So we, we, we know one thing about a front office. Any, any good front office has one potential job. Uh, I've been a general manager before. Uh, as a, as in my profession in, in the career, I've been a general manager, and your job as general manager is to basically to steal, excuse me, real quick, uh, to steal the 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 uh, you know from from Under Armour from from a number of years ago to steal their uh, theme from a couple of years ago from a number of years ago, but we must protect this house. As a general manager, your job is to protect the building and to create an, an, an environment in that, in that building that says success at all costs, at every corner. I used to tell the team at, you know, almost every day, we got one job. Our job is to keep these doors open. If we don't keep these doors open, we don't do the things that the state suggests we should do. We don't succeed. We don't win. Your kids don't eat. Not here, not from, from, from what we do here. So that has to be your goal. Your goal has to be to succeed at all costs here and to keep these doors open. That's it. That's what your job is in any front office. Keep those doors open, keep those turnstiles moving and build a winner. That's your goal. Everything else is secondary. In the NFL, a front office's job, the general manager's job, the president of football, and football operations, his job, her job is to create an environment that other people, other players wanna be a part of because they always know one thing, we're trying to win. We're here to win. And that's gonna come with stepping on a couple knuckles that's going to come at stepping on a couple of people and their soft-ass feelings, too. But what's the goal? It's like, it's like working out. If your goal is to be able to, to bench press 225 pounds, how long are you going to hang out at 185 pounds? You know, benching 185 pounds. At some point, you got to, I got to let 185 pounds go if I'm going to get to 225. I got to let it go. I got to say, I'm ready to make the jump to 200 or to jump to 195 pounds or whatever your next uh, 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 bench mark is. And that's what we're doing here. 
we, you guys, if anybody who listened to the show, anybody who's been around the show, anybody who's heard me uh, speak, heard Sean speak, heard us talk, seen any show that we've ever done, or even seen me online, I've had one progressive thought process. Listen, Baker Mayfield ain't terrible. He's just not good enough. He's not good enough. And this team might need to move forward. Now, I didn't think the team was going to move forward. And I understood what they were doing. You got to say the right stuff. At the end of the season, what did I say? The thing that they were saying to Baker was, was GM speak. They got to say that. Baker has more trade value. And, you know, the team has more leverage when they feel like they're trading a starter. So I got to say this to him as a starter until we find a viable option. So you work your way through a trade or you work your way through uh, trade talks. And if you don't find anybody and you can't make anybody move, you've told everybody that this guy's your guy anyway, right? They weren't lying. They weren't lying. If we don't get done those, you got Prove it to us. If they ain't get that guy a contract for a reason. And I kept trying to say that to people. People kept telling me I was full of shit. People kept telling me I was a fair, uh, fair weather fan. People kept saying I was the one who was crazy. I've been telling you guys. I've been telling you guys. I've been telling you. I've been telling you guys. And I don't even want to be the I told you so guy. I almost have to be that guy right now. I almost have to. Because I kept telling y'all. As good as Baker might have been, as far as Baker may have brought us, it's the tallest midget syndrome. You guys are happy because of what he did, but where are we going now? You just want to hold on to the guy until we just figure out after five, six, seven, ten years that he ain't going to win no Super Bowl? Come on, man. There's a reason that Aaron Rodgers got the money he got. There's a reason that Ben Roethlisberger was uh, – held on to as long because Ben has been done for two years. This ain't his first year not being good or not being what Ben used to be. This ain't his first year. He's been declining for years. There's a reason. You got two Super Bowls and you've gotten to three or four, could have gotten to, to probably six or seven. Do we think that Baker was that kind of guy? I guarantee you, no, no. I didn't think, think that way, and I guarantee you this dude behind me didn't think so either. That's why he went out and got Deshaun Watson. The Rams went out last year and got Matthew Stafford. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think Matthew Stafford was the answer for the Rams. Honestly, I didn't. And my partner, Sean, has been on record as saying Matthew Stafford has 40,000 of the most useful uh, useless yards in NFL history. And I agreed. So we've been on the same page when it came to that. Guess what Matthew Stafford went out and did last year? Just won the Super Bowl. That's it. And you think the Cleveland Browns didn't see that? They saw that. And you got Joe Burrow. 
in our division right now who's going to be better next year. Joe Burrow did more with less. If Joe Burrow had the Cleveland Browns roster, he would have won a Super Bowl. Yeah. And Andrew Barry saw that. He understood that. Y'all do realize that the Bengals and the Ravens, with their starting quarterbacks, have better quarterbacks than Baker Mayfield. So we're the third best quarterback in the, the division. In the division. Now, I know people will say, oh, we beat Cincinnati. Excuse me. We beat Cincinnati all the time. We have. I don't know how that happens, but we beat Cincinnati every time we see him. I don't think that Andrew Barry thought that we we're going to just keep beating Cincinnati, especially not with Baker. So, okay, you beat Cincinnati, but Cincinnati still went to the playoffs. Didn't win the division. Still went to the playoffs and still went to the Super Bowl. So, and they did win the division. Sorry. So, with a lesser team, but with a better quarterback, the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson is coming back next year. The front office saw that. Front office understood that. And they were like, man, we're in third place just on paper. Our quarterback is the third best in, in, the, in the division. Even adding Mitchell Trubisky, I think Baker is better than Mitchell Trubisky. I think Baker is better than uh, what is what? What's his dump uh, over there, uh, Mason Rudolph? That ain't hard though. I might be better than Mason Rudolph, and I'll be forty-eight in May. So that's where a lot of this came from. These guys saw an opportunity. They saw their guy. They saw an opportunity to, to, to snatch potentially the best quarterback on the market. And not even potentially, the best quarterback on the market. Because Aaron Rodgers wasn't on the market. Um, Russell Wilson had already been moved. So you've taken the two best possibly uh, off the market already. So the next best guy, especially once everybody found out, that, uh, you know, and I mean everybody, meaning uh, the uh, front offices, found out that this guy's not going to go to jail. He don't have any real big issues. He can just pay his money, do this little fine. Uh, not fine, but do the, uh, the suspension because they're probably going to suspend him anywhere from four to six games. I, I say three to six games, but I think it's probably going to be the bigger part of that, four or six. And... After those four to six games, now you have a guy. You have the guy. You have the guy. Right? I'm down. I'm sick of standing pat all the time. I'm sick of being... It's like being a fake player. Everybody want to be a player. Everybody want to say they're a player. Everybody got hoes, right? Everybody ain't got hoes. 
Stop it. Sometimes you got to be the player that gets the hope. It ain't just talk. Sometimes you got to be the slickest, savviest some bitch in the club. That's the only way you're going to get the chick you want. Andrew Berry was the slickest, savviest some bitch in the club. And he got what he wanted. And he brought this player, the player that everybody kept saying, ain't no way Cleveland getting nobody because Cleveland sucks and this, that, and fit. Ain't nobody getting this guy. And he's here. He's here. That's why I opened the show like this, man. This guy pulled off a coup. We got Amari Cooper. One of the best wide receivers in the game. We got Amari Cooper and one of the best quarterbacks in the game. And one of the best running backs in the game. With one of the best offensive lines in the game. With one of the better defenses in the game. Oh, oh, these ain't jokes. And that's where the issue and where the rift was with Baker. They were looking at Baker like, bro, we took care of everything. We took care of everything. We got you the pieces, got you the parts. You couldn't produce. Again, Baker is a, is a good quarterback. I do not, do not, please do not allow my exuberance to water that point down. Baker Mayfield is a, is a decent quarterback. But that's it. And he needs everything to go right for him to look good. He doesn't necessarily elevate the play of anybody on the team at any point. Now, me saying that sounds like I'm a hater, but guess who else saw that? Because he wouldn't be gone if, or he wouldn't be moving, we wouldn't be moving on uh, past him if that weren't the case. But it's the case. It is. It's, it's the case. Let's stop acting like that's not the case. This is the case. It's the case. I, I started calling him Basic Mayfield. He's going to give you these numbers. This is what he's going to do. And that's it. He will not give you more than that. Just, just being honest. Andrew Berry saw that. Andrew Berry saw that. Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback. He's not a guy that's going to elevate us to where we want to go. And we got to make every opportunity. We got to take every opportunity and we got to do everything possible to potentially get ourselves to a certain point if we want to win a Super Bowl. And I think this team wants to win a Super Bowl. So let me tell you all the things that this front office is doing. So they get Amari Cooper. You could have just rested on your laurels at that point, right? That's enough. Then you messed around and got Deshaun Watson. Man, that's enough. 
we, us, goofy, not having a winning team and never winning and all that stuff, Browns fans would have skipped past all the other stuff that he could have done. This dude keeps dotting eyes and crossing teeth. This is why I'm, I'm so giddy. So he is still dotting eyes and crossing teeth. He gives Amari Cooper restructures. Restructures Amari Cooper's deal to give us extra room to do what? To potentially sign or re-sign and, and woo Jarvis Landry and Jadavian Clowney. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This dude is the executive of the year right now. And we may not even win the Super Bowl. But right now, the moves that this guy has put together, we didn't even, we traded for Deshaun Watson and didn't lose a player. People kept saying, oh, they're trying to give up war. They want too much. They want this, they want that. No, we still got this award. And we also still have Baker Mayfield. So, and then he went on and got Jacoby Brissett. So I can have an actual dude that started a couple, two, three games in his life, who's won some games in his life, while the potential that this guy, Deshaun Watson, might have to be out for six or seven games. All right, bet. You talking to fan, listen to me. I, I don't even have the words to understand the crap game this dude is shooting right now. This dude is shooting. <laughs> this dude is this dude is shooting him up. This dude is shooting him up. This is Ashley Larry in, in, in the crap game, man. This is Ashley Larry. He he making sure we got whatever we need whenever we need it, man. He also fully understands that this team, as it's constructed, only has a certain shelf life. Everybody want to be complacent. Cleveland is the home of complacency, the home of mediocrity, the home of I love the most mediocre sons of bitches that ever came across the landscape. Andrew Barry is not that guy, though. Andrew Barry understands that games aren't always won with emotions. Everybody's like, Baker played his heart out. Baker was tough. Baker shouldn't have been playing last year. I don't know if y'all remember me saying that. Maybe, maybe, maybe that didn't come out enough. Anybody who watches this show or follows this show knows. I said that from week three or four. I said that from week three or four. Now he's a tough guy. You don't get wins and you don't get extra points because you tough. You can't win a game and not mention how hurt you are, but then turn around and then blame your bad play on I was hurt. Can't do both. When we beat the uh the Cincinnati Bengals after we traded OBJ, everybody was, oh, you see that? He's a leader. He's this, he's that. So I'm all big. 
Then the next week we went out and got our ass handed to us by, by the Steelers. And everybody was like, oh, well, he hurt. No, no, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. You cannot do that. You have to either be hurt or you play well. Can't do both. And that's what Andrew Perry was saying. And that's what Kevin Stefanski was saying. They go in the locker room and say, Bank, you help? Yep, I'm help. I got it. I got it, coach. All right, bet. Go win this game. And then we don't win. And I say this all the time. I would see, as much as I question some of the play calling, because I, I do, there were things that happened that I felt all the time weren't on Baker, per se. But there were things that happened that were on Baker. Yeah, I know some people dropped some passes. Some, some people dropped a bunch of passes. And there were times when people weren't in the right spots. I get that. I, I understand that. I totally do. But I'm not an excuse maker. There were also times where Baker missed guys. There were also times where Baker ran that he, when he should have just stayed in the pocket. And there were times where Baker got too antsy and ended up getting a sack when he didn't have to. Had he just let go of the ball or something. Baker was a problem. The one thing I understand about real life is I can't, I can't always be the issue, but I have to accept certain things. Like maybe I was still a part of the issue, even though I may not have been the preeminent issue. I probably was still a part of the issue in any relationship I've ever been in, in any situation I've ever been a part of. I've been a part of the issue. Baker don't think nothing he did is all bad. He's fine. Then he comes up with this crybaby ass uh, soliloquy ass letter. Man, if you don't get the hell on somewhere with that crybaby ass shit, man up. I thought you was tough. So be tough. Don't give me this weak shit, especially until everything becomes official. You ain't know nothing because we didn't know nothing. You just knew that these cats decided to move on potentially past you. But then you might end up with this job. So you know what you just made yourself look like? Like a weakling. Man up, baby. Stop it. Stand up. Because I know you can. Stand up. Be a man. Stop being soft. Also, Jarvis Landry, I need you back. And I think Andrew Barry wants you back. Jadavian Clowney, we need you back. Are everybody talking that shit about us? We trying to take over. Uh, we like cash money right now. Trying to take over the nine nines and the two thousand. That's what we trying to do. And you don't think this dude is a part of that? Yes, he is. You can't listen, man. We've had a bunch of front offices where they knew everything. 
And you can't teach nobody who knows everything. You can't teach them anything. You can't instruct them on any level because I know everything already. So when you get the smartest guys in the room, Butch Davis's and, uh, you know, all the, all, all the other coaches and, uh, and other front offices that knew so much that, oh, I've been there, I've done that, blah, blah, blah. And that's what we ended up with in terms of draft picks. That's what we ended up with in terms of uh, free agent signings. We finally got a guy that actually knows some shit. And, and let's be clear. I chided the front office on their handling of OBJ. Do you not think that what they did with OBJ has something to do with what they're doing right now? I think they understand that they dropped the ball. I think they understand that they messed up what was happening. They messed up the narrative. So now they're like, oh, uh, we can't do that again. Let's, let's put these things in play. Let's make these things happen. And let's get in front of some shit. Because they should have gotten in front. And I think they wanted OBJ. I think they wanted OBJ to be around. But then you left him around with these guys. It's like you didn't listen to the guy. But they're getting in front of all of these things here. I, and I like that. And we may not end up with, with, with uh, Juice. We may not end up with Clowney. But I like the fact that these guys are in the running to do a lot of different things. And people might say, oh, no, we're not getting Juice back. We're not getting uh, Clowney back. Listen, Clowney played with Deshaun Watson. That might be the chip that, that sells this dude to come back for a couple years. We've cleared up space by moving Amari Cooper's or, or restructuring Amari Cooper's contract. We might be able to get Juice to come back for a certain amount of money. I'm down with it. And we might be able to sign another cat. One of these other wide receivers that's getting cut. I'm, I'm absolutely here for it. I'm here for it. And I think we can pull it all off. And let's not forget, while we don't have a first round pick, we're going to get a wide receiver in that second round. Let him, let him, let him keep falling. We're gonna get one of them Ohio State. Well, I know, I know, uh, Garrett is probably gone. Garrett Wilson is probably gone. I think Chris Olave might be gone. But if one of them cats is still hanging around when we get our draft pick, we picking one of those dudes. Talking about fast guys that take the top off and he can't catch. I think both of those guys are gone, but we got a bunch of people in it. This is wide receiver heavy. You don't think you don't think this dude know that? Come on, man. Come on, man. We're in a catbird seat. Like we legitimately have leverage. And I love it. Maybe everybody else don't, but I've done this for a long time. And I like being in the catbird seat. I like being perched up looking at everybody else like, yep, y'all keep trying to act like we ain't, we ain't them guys. We about to be them guys. And remember I said it. What's today? Look at my watch. Hold on a second. I got to get the date right. It's March 20th. 
of 2022. We, meaning the Browns, we about to get this right. Y'all don't want these problems. So let me tell you something. If we do one thing right and end up messing around and getting to a Super Bowl and winning one, let me tell you who's not going to be controllable. Me. Y'all don't want to see me on that. Y'all don't want to see me. Ain't none of you cats out there who might follow the show, the tens of you that follow this show, y'all don't want to see me like that. Because I'm coming. And I'm going to be a wreck. I'm going to be a wreck. I'm going to be a wreck. <laughs> Every city I come to, because I'm going on the road this year. And we're going to do shows on the road this year. You think we not? I'm doing shows on the road. We coming. I can't wait. And I'm going with Jacoby Brissett as my quarterback. I'm coming. I can't wait for the schedule to come out so I can get these here tickets and show up in your city. You see me? I'm Man, I can't stop moving. I'm dancing. I'm dancing, man. I can't wait. I can't wait. I cannot wait. I think this season is going to be one of the better seasons. And I've been I've been at a lot of seasons. I've been through a lot of seasons. When I was season ticket holder, we went through a bunch of my wife used to tell me every year. She'd be like, oh my gosh, are we doing Browns tickets? Yeah, absolutely we are. We are. All the way up until about four years ago, five years ago. I I couldn't justify it. <laughs> I couldn't. She she was trying to get me off them tickets for years. I couldn't justify it no more. <laughs> my wife hadn't had enough, man. I love my wife, man. She has been through it with me in terms of the Browns. She's been through it with me, so I appreciate her. Uh, <laughs> This is funny. It's funny. It's funny, funny. But here we are again. And she's probably going to have to go through some more stuff because I really believe in this team. I really believe in what we're doing. I believe in the direction that we're going. I think that Andrew Barry could easily be one of the best in the business. He's showing himself to be head and heels above everything and everybody that does what he does. When you're a good general manager, you take care of that team. You make sure the team has a focus and you build a, uh, you know, a process of, a, a thought process of where they're going. You build that. I know that because I've been a general manager. So I, I, I thoroughly see what Andrew Barry is doing. I got nothing but love, kudos, my caps off to uh, what you've done and to where you're taking this team. Because I think even if we don't win a Super Bowl this year, we're going to win a Super Bowl. The Browns are going to win a Super Bowl in the next two or three years. That's, if we don't, I'd be shocked because this guy is trying to put us there. He's giving us all of the pieces and parts, and he's moving forward with that thought process, okay? So, 
with that said, I also got to make one more thing because I'm getting ready to get off here. This is a real quick show. Real quick show. But I had to put something out here because I, I enjoy what's happening right now. Every 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 hour or so, I just get something new that's being fed to me in terms of, of uh, information. So I had to do a show. I had to. But recently, recently we lost one of the all-time greats in wrestling. Anybody who follows the show knows that I'm a big wrestling fan. They know that Sean and I are big wrestling fans. And we also had a show specifically geared towards wrestling. So recently, uh, within the last couple of days, Scott Hall, otherwise known as or potentially known as uh, Razor Ramon, he passed away. And that was a, 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 you know, I come from a generation of wrestling where wrestling needed to sell itself. Right now, wrestling, I don't know that wrestling sells itself. I don't, I don't believe in anybody who's wrestling right now. And that's not a shot at these guys. These guys are trying and they're doing their work. But I know what I grew up on. And I don't see that same thing here. Scott Hall wasn't the best wrestler ever. However, he had one of the most distinctive sticks ever in history. Razor Ramon. My brother, Donnie, loved Razor Ramon. I did, too. Hey, yo. You know, he was that guy. Rather forgettable at certain times. But what made him more memorable was when he left WWF at the time to go to the NWA. At that time, had turned to WCW. WWF eventually became, of course, WWE. But he was a huge name. Razor Ramon was huge. He was a multiple-time Intercontinental Champion, and he was one of the better heels, uh, bad guys at the time. So him, and one of my favorites, one of my favorites for no reason, my brother used to be like, why do you like this guy? I don't know. But I love Diesel. I love Big Daddy Cool Diesel. That was my guy, Kevin Nash. Him and Scott Hall left the WWF at the time, which became the WWE, went to the NWA, which was at the time WCW, and became, like, for the first time ever, they were their own selves. He wasn't Big Daddy Cool Diesel. He wasn't. Big sexy and all. He was still big sexy. And he was still big daddy cool. But he wasn't Diesel. He was Kevin Nash. I didn't even know that was his name. Scott Hall wasn't Razor Ramon. He wasn't talking about this accent. He wasn't Mexican all of a sudden. He wasn't from Cuba. He wasn't from, you know, Guadalajara or wherever the hell he was trying to act like he was from. He was Scott Hall. Hey, yo. 6'8", 245, 50 pounds, 
are the biggest some bitch you ever saw in your life. Best storyline that ever happened in wrestling was when outsiders, which is what they called themselves when they went to WW, um, excuse me, uh, WCW, they called themselves the outsiders. They came from the outside of the entity. And if anybody knows anything about wrestling, there were territories, et cetera, et cetera. But by this time, there was only two territories, <laughs> WWF or uh, WCW. There weren't the multiple territories, Mid-South and all that stuff. Nah, you was either in the WWF or you were in the WCW. So they were the outsiders. And that storyline became one of the best, it, 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 it's the best storyline in the history of wrestling. There's no better storyline. I wasn't even watching wrestling that time. I was done with wrestling. I thought wrestling had run its course. I thought it was full of crap. And I wasn't a, a wrestling fan. And my brother, I was in the Air Force at the time. My brother called me. He said, yo, you watching WCW right now? And I said, no. Why would I be watching WCW? He said, bro. He was in college at the time. He said, bro. I need you to watch wrestling on Monday. He said, you remember Razor Ramon? You remember Diesel? I know you remember Diesel. That's how he sold me on it. I know you remember Diesel. Like, I was done with it because Hogan was in WCW. I thought that was a step down, personally. He was like, bro. You remember Diesel? I said, yeah, that's my guy. He said, yeah, Diesel is in WCW now. Yeah, man, Razor Ramon. I said, what? He was like, yeah, man. I said, man, Razor Ramon is in the WCW. He said, yeah, but they in there as themselves. Like, you got to see it. You got to see it. I checked it out. I did. I checked it out. And like the next show that I was watching, because I think he called me while it was on and it was ready to tell in. So I didn't really understand what was happening. But I watched the next Monday night show and I was locked in after that. And then the next thing I know, here comes Hollywood Hogan with this black beard and the white goat. Man, listen, that was the best storyline that's ever happened in the history of wrestling. And I'm grateful because I never would have been able to watch Stone Cold. I never would have saw this Stone Cold era. I never would have saw The Rock in his era. I never would have fully appreciated Triple H, not fully. I never, because I was done with it after they screwed you know, Bret Hart. Bret Hart was one of my favorite wrestlers on the planet. But had I not gone back, I would have missed all of this stuff. And that was one of the great, the NWO, the Wolf Pack, and the Black and White. You know, man, listen, you're talking about some of the best stuff in the history of wrestling. That was some of the best stuff. And Scott Hall is a part of that. Scott Hall was one of the founders and one of the authors of the greatest 
situation that ever happened in wrestling. So that's a part of my youth and my childhood, man. I, I miss that, but I got nothing but love for, for Scott Hall. I know he was going through a lot of stuff on uh, his recovery from from painkillers and drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. I love what Diamond Dallas Page did for him, bringing him back. I love what he's doing for and done for uh, Jake Snake. Shout out to Diamond Dallas Page, my guy. Um, I know Kevin Nash is hurting. This is best friend. I know Hulk Hogan. I ain't even seen nothing from Hulk Hogan. I think Hulk Hogan is kind of crushed. I haven't seen a single thing from Hulk Hogan. I follow him. So shout out to Hulk. Shout out to Bischoff. Shout out to Nash. It's a tough thing to lose somebody who means a lot to you. And I understand that. So for me, my guy, the bad guy, Ayo, Scott Hall, number love from, from us here at Two Guys in the Mic. We'll see you down the road, man. Peace.